You want to do this? I know you do. There you go. On uh, three, two, one. Uh, we are speaking with uh, Pierre-Luc Ryu of the band Child. Uh, first EP was called Synthetic Soul Out in February of 2020. Uh, we, we've got a new EP coming out. Let's, let's start there. Talk to me about the, the new EP. The first one was described as sort of experimental indie electronica. What's the second one going to be like? Um... Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on. I really yeah. appreciate it, Mitch. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, second EP is like what what we're really trying to do, like creatively, most of the time is um, we're trying to like reinvent some stuff that we really love. So you know, there there's there's a lot in there. Like you know, we we do in like we work in R and B definitely. So we have some R and B songs. And there was, we did a camp in Quebec, like, you know, far out into the woods. That was like one of the most fun and like authentic creative experiences that, that we've had. And, and basically there was like a, just a vibe of like um, um, uh, Fleetwood Mac and like just like folky stuff. So it's like we're just trying to like reinvent some of those like really classic sounds. Like, um, like on the first EP, you know, we had the big sort of intros, like the Sam Cooke string intros. And it's just like trying to find like these things in history that we really love and just like how, you know, how, how to reinvent it, how to make it like ours, you know. How to make it yours. Now, j just before we started sort of rolling tape, to use the old expression, you were talking to me about you are a fan of Steve Vai. And of course, Steve Vai doesn't really do this kind of stuff. <laughs> he does, of course, instrumentals that maybe are a little bit more exper experimental. But how do you go from sort of a hard rock or a rock guitarist into this kind of stuff why are you not doing a more straightforward rock album for example <laughs> you know it's uh it's interesting because i did like i had like many lives in the music industry like as as a younger kid i discovered guitar and i kind of really delved into everything technique like so it, you know i started out with richie blackmore which was my you know, there was, you know, my, my dad introduced me to, to Deep Purple and See? it was all like it was never a thing. But I was always like to me in my mind was like, well, it's either Deep Purple or Led Zeppelin. You can't like both. And that's the completely stupid thing like that. But that was my thing. So anyways, I went all, all in on Richie Blackmore, then got into more of the technical guys, Dream Theater, uh, Steve Vai. And uh, so I really hold on. You're, you're, you're a Petrucci guy then. Complete dude. So John Petrucci made a video. So that was that was a yeah. thing that happened to me in in Sija in Quebec. Uh, so I I was like, you know, I, the thing is when you're in high school, you play guitar. If you're okay or pretty good, you're kind of like the best guitar player of your group of friends. And so you know, that's what I kind of was going with. And then I was I got into Sija and I was like just walking and I heard this guy playing. I was like that can't be like it's and I opened the door and there's this guy like playing like these metal licks but like I'd never I had seen it like on the internet I'd never seen somebody do it like live and that day I was like you know what I'm I'm just like I that, that I can't like uh that can never happen ever again yeah. so I hopped in rock discipline which is the John Petrucci like technical video yeah yeah and I did, every exercise every day for the for the rest of my you know schooling so and, so this uh, is fascinating so how do you take that base of learning and turn it into experimental 
you know, R&B, uh, let's see, uh, uh, psych- psychedelic <laughs> soul is what is listed here. H- how does so, it turn into that? Because, And then, of course, I want to talk about all the other stuff, the David Guetta and, and all, mm. because you're, you're, you're doing the opposite of what you sort of trained for, in a sense. You know what? Completely. And I did, at that time, I was in a rock band and we did tour, we, we did some tours with the Vans Warp Tour and we I opened for Alice Cooper at the time and like all kinds of like when did those, you open for Cooper and where? Uh well we did a Canadian tour. Right. And so we, we played Montreal, we played, you know, Cornwall, Thunder Bay. Right, well hold uh, on. I, I was at those shows because I was really? there. Yeah, I was I was there with Cooper because at the time it was uh uh let's see the Alice Cooper show probably goes back to two thousand seven. Yeah, maybe like ballpark. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, okay, so uh, they, they had uh, they had Jason Hook in the band at the time. Uh, I think Brent Fitz might. Anyway, okay, so so we, we we might have seen each other somewhere back there. But w- what band was that with? Oh man, that was like you know it's like a, a band that really didn't uh, but uh, do I, much. It was it was a, one of my first bands called The Sins, and it was like a sort of an eight a take on the '80s rock type thing. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Okay. The thing is, I grew up. Uh, in a, in a, like a, like in a black neighborhood, like with like you know, there's a lot of uh, Haitian immigration and stuff. Right. So I grew up around a lot of hip hop, and I was really close to that culture. But I was also like learning guitar, and at that time, like the the guitar technical stuff was more in the metal. Uh, and then I went to school for music, and I, you know, you can't really see it back there, but that's like uh, West Montgomery. I consider him yeah. the greatest jazz yeah. star of all time. Yeah. So it's like I was in touch with like a lot of styles, and I guess like the the metal part of it got me the technique to where I can actually express myself, and the child and synthetic soul and that sound is, to me, basically, you know, you kind of develop your taste as you grow up and that's the expression of my taste and my my, my music partner also i'm not alone in this but um yeah it's 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 the most sort of truest expression truest so okay so let me ask you this because you know I, i'm from the old school i grew up on the uh, the thin lizzies and the kisses and the cheap tricks and all this stuff and and you know the 80s and all those now we say that the you know guitar rock is dead. The guitar as an instrument is dead. It's all about loops. It's all about ba- um, yet you're bringing it to this music. Is it is it as dead as everybody's saying? Oh, there's no more guitar heroes. Or is there a place and has it just sort of changed? Maybe we don't need the big solo. Maybe we just need to have it laying a rhythm. Like, how do you sort of see it? Um, look, in the '40s, the sax was the household instrument. Everybody was playing the sax and jazz standards, well, they weren't standards at the time, they was just the tunes, but now they're the standards. Uh, they were, you know, that, that was the thing. And then I kind of went away. Uh, like Katy Perry brought it back like at, at the end of, 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 of one of her uh, hits, but also like Bonnie Vare, experimented with the sax in, in very in like in a very different way. So to answer your question, I think you you can't deny an era. Like a guitar, like a rock guitar and technical guitar, I think 
the, the technical aspect of it is really changed, but it's very vibrant. Like if you go on YouTube and you check these kids out like playing, it's it's not like the 80s technical stuff. I would argue it's even more advanced because now it's like they're learning on the new stuff. So it's like, I think there's gonna be just new expressions of technique, new expressions of, of metal. It's like, I think every 20 years, you see a resurgence of a, of a style and it's like, I mean, you know, Van Halen just passed and he, he kind of completely marked an era of sound and guitar. So I wouldn't be surprised if like in a couple of years you would see, you know, like an, an homage or like a, a remix of a Van Halen from a like 15 year old kid from Brooklyn somewhere, you know? Yeah, so well, that, that, that'll be coming. You, you can't you can't deny Eddie. He's the king. Yeah. And you can't deny styles. It's like it's and it's 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 been marked in time you know it's like that was the thing that was cool back then people got away from it you know there's this guy in montreal that uh he, you know in the 70s disco was like the most you know the the the, the, the thing yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and in the 80s people were burning their disco records and there's this guy that just bought a bunch of disco catalogs and in the 90s when they started to get sampled by all the the urban uh acts this guy made a ton of money because, you know, disco was popular again. It's just reinvented in samples. And now a ton of people are like buying catalog and it's, it's, it's this new, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that invest in like buying catalog because it's... Yeah. Like, and I know one of those companies. Uh, I deal with one of them. There's one called Primary Wave. They just bought Stevie Nicks and they just bought Whitney Houston. And I, you know, I, I talk to the guy every night on the phone. He's like, hey, we're going to buy this next. I'm like... <laughs> Crazy. Well... Uh, that oh. If but you have a catalog Yanni, to sell, let me know. <laughs> Yanni, my, my, the singer of my band, yeah. works really closely with that company as well. Primary, primary Wave, man. That's the greatest company. You got to love the primary. Now, we were talking about kids, so I'm going to throw this out here. My daughter, who's 17, loves, of course, Grey's Anatomy. And a Pirouette appeared on Grey's Anatomy. Talk to me about getting the, a song in a television show and what does that mean for you as an artist other than just financial gain is it is it a validation is it just a business move how important is that to say hey listen look at look at this we're now in this program yeah it's, it was definitely not a business move because we like the way that it works and i'm sure you know this but uh, for the people that might not know, it's like you make the song and then there's music supervisors and then there's directors and they get aware of the song. And then so we didn't do the song for the episode, but uh, there's a big part of our music that is cinematic. There's a lot of like string sounds. There's a lot of um, psychedelic or ambient effects. And like it, it was kind of in our DNA to ideally like get our music played on TV. I, I love the narrative aspect of music and film. And and um, and so it was a huge validation because that, that was that's something that we wanted to do. And we got to do it on a show that's like iconic. And uh, yeah, I was I was stoked. Like my sister is a huge fan of, of Grey's and my <laughs> girlfriend too. And so it's like, you know, it's it's one of those things. I, I really hope this there's, there's more because I, I really feel like a scene, you can totally tell a scene and music when the two kind of really gel together 
there's just something magical and, and you know that that was something special for us well that's it and, and and listening to child like you say you do get that sort of cinematic scope to it because of the way it's it's constructed do you see yourself down the road maybe wanting to do scoring and just being a guy in hollywood that does that uh, absolutely 100 percent. okay yeah no because doubt. Uh, I, I, I already do it uh, in Montreal with a, a great production team called Dasmo, and we do a lot of music for TV and film. Uh, and it's funny because like, I, I started out in Montreal and I, I met these guys and it was supposed to be a three-month contract and I've been for, with them for 10 years now. It's like there, there really was a fit and it was awesome. But then um, when I went to L.A., um, I figured, well, okay, so in Montreal, I do music for film and I do like, you know, bands and stuff. So awesome. I'm just going to go to the, 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 the mecca of TV and film. But the thing is, what's, what's amazing in LA is that every, the industry is so big that uh, every sort of genre is like segmented. So it's like, it's all specialized. No like in Montreal. So, but, but I would definitely love, to do that in in, uh, in in the future but right now uh with child we're definitely you know we just like we're, we're kind of on an upwards trajectory of like right. you know doing touring hopefully in at some point no but like, I, you see i agree with you i've done the the rock reporting thing for many years and i do it out of montreal like you and it was great because when you evenco event you know they invite you to a show and you go you go out to la you're just one of a hundred schmoes who wants to get and 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 you there's there's no room so there's there's an but advantage for being here. The, the, if if you have a like I I'm a pretty competitive guy at heart and that gets me going like that gets my fire burning. It's like I come here and it feels like you you you're in the NBA you're in the NHL you're in the like the, you know the 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 bigger league and you know it's like. Uh, and not not to not to denigrate uh, the talent in Montreal because actually one one of the things that's like the most important to us is to create like a creative bridge between Montreal and LA. Like you know this there's this guy Max Martin. Uh, he's he's like this incredible producer songwriter. He's from Sweden and he created a bridge between uh, well I guess Stockholm or you know somewhere in Sweden and and Los Angeles. And I, and I always like thought that, that that was amazing and you know if we can get i i think that geography might plays a big part for now but m maybe not for long well ge like, geography is becoming sort of less and less important especially with uh you know the ability to record and stuff by sending sending tracks through email and of course the, the live streaming um let me get let me get into some of the other stuff you've done because th this is the the sort of the fun stuff you've gone from uh, Child to Katy Perry to Maroon 5 to David Guetta. Talk to me about working with those different artists because they all sort of require a different uh, guitar style, guitar tone, guitar playing. Um, talk to me about those challenges and adapting and, and how does they you all you end up in all their Rolodexes? You know, how do you end up on Maroon 5's radar? <laughs> so um, it's 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 a lot of things, but it's a combination of luck, first of all, and um, I kind of fell into music production by accident, and uh, I really kind of delved completely into it. And I was I was also like a music 
musical director uh, back in Montreal, and how to switch from a style to style. I think the best way to put it would be that my music production helps me understand where the guitar fits in a song. And it, you're right. It's like uh, doing music for EDM, doing music for like really pop stuff, uh, for, for, for child or for, um, you know, TV stuff is completely different. And, uh, you know, for, for, for all those pop acts, I think, and like I'm talking about like the, the, the really like kind of radio pop, I think it's more of a, I mean, Bert, first of all, how do I get into these things? It's, it's a lot with relationships with producers. Like a lot of producers either write the songs or with songwriters or with the artists. And since I know them and, you know, knowing them, it's, it's just there's no formula. It's just you put yourself out there. And, and it's like it's I, like today, Instagram is great because there's a lot of like Instagram guitar players. Uh, I guess I'm one of them. But, um, you know, it's also like just basic meeting someone and helping them get to where they want to go. It's like that's my that's my really my only goal is like the producer wants to the song to succeed and how can I help him or her do that? All right, let me ask you about this since, since you mentioned songwriting because again, and I'm going to do old school, new school, old school, you know, whatever. Paul Stanley wrote a song and it went on a Kiss album. Now you look at an album and there's 87 people that have a writing credit. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, everybody, you know, my mom, my mom is listed on 87 songs, you know. Um, how important is that for you in child to say me and my guy we're going to write the songs that's it or do you like the whole collaborative thing with 12 people and, and I'm and I'm I'm being facetious but no I'm you're sure right there's a truth to it <laughs> there's, there's absolutely a truth to it so look um I think in those projects where there's like 87 writers and it might sound like facetious but sometimes there are 87 writers on a on a full project I think the key there is executive production. If if somebody has like sort of the the the, the wide scope of like okay this album is going to sound like this, then they can really kind of you know cater the music to to to, to the artist. For child, it was definitely like it came out of necessity. Like we were we went to to London to to do some writing sessions. And we rented out the studio and like, cause you know, it was with pretty like big artists and stuff. And so we wanted to have like a really nice setup. And first day, um, the artist canceled. He's like, well, like we'll, we'll do it the other day. They don't know that we just <laughs> spent all this money on this studio, but whatever. Second day, they cancel again. So on that day we wrote a song called Count Me Out. And it was like, don't count me out cause I'll come back swinging. That's the that's the, the the lyric of the chorus, and it was basically like a really pure moment. I I remember like every second of it. Like I was on the couch, programming the drums or like just you know editing stuff. Yanni was like cutting vocals, and it was just like kind of out of frustration. And then we figured like, look, there's all these songs that we're writing or we're producing, all this stuff that we want to do or experiment with, and we don't really get we don't always get a chance to do it with artists because either they change it or they change the schedule of it or it comes out too late uh, and then other people have already kind of done it so it's pointless. So we figured, why don't we just put out our own stuff? 
Well, that, that that's that's the way to do it. Now, on, of course, uh, Synthetic Soul, you have a writing credit on everything. Is it important for you to actually have a writing credit on there? Because, again, there are some of the artists and some of the artists that you've worked with. They've had songs and albums completely written by somebody else. Um, would that be okay with you if, if I came up with five songs and said, all right, if it's good, it's good, or no? It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Ryu does Ryu songs. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, look. And no, I'm not a songwriter. That wasn't a pitch. All good. <laughs> um, I would never take a credit from a song that I had nothing to do with. So, but the, the whole point of... But, of but which, would you record it, though? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because I think at, at, the, um, at the core, uh, it's all about the song. And uh, it's about, it's, it's like, if a song to me is, you know, I was watching your interview with Ted Nugent. And uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I, you know, first of all, I got to apologize because my background isn't as cool as his. He had like arrows and guns. and He had a vault and like all kinds of stuff. But like ba a bear carpet. Yeah, it was great. But like, look, you can be a fan or not of Ted Nugent, but you can't deny that the dude is authentic. You know, he's he's just himself and you can like it or you can dislike it, but he's real. So. That was the whole point of child. We we just wanted to make something that was authentic to us. So I would say, uh, if if somebody comes in with an amazing song, I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna try to put my DNA on it just to, to make it child, you know. But um, I'd be actually at the camp that we did in in, in the Quebec. Uh, we had this this amazing uh, songwriter and lyricist called Shun Guzo. Uh, she's an she's an artist herself, but she came in as a writer, and uh, she wrote tons of stuff that you know. So I I you know she she wrote like a bunch of songs where you know she she collaborated a lot on the lyrics, but she has something to say and it's authentic and it's real. So why not sing it? You know. I'm with you on that. Uh, and let's uh, let's just wrap up with this. When does the second EP come out, and what's it called? It's going to be called Hope for Sale. It's uh, it's gonna come out. Well, the the date of the EP dropping, I don't know yet, but the first song is gonna drop drop in March. That's for sure. That's um, we're gonna. I mean, you know, it's it's it's. Well, as you know, as everybody knows, like working in COVID is is really tough. Like we're trying to shoot a music video, do a photo shoot, and it's just like a lot more preparation. But March seems like. The, the the date that we're going to drop it well the first you know uh, i'll give you this uh, as an idea the uh, the band helix a canadian band helix they, they have been uh, stuck with covid and they've made two videos in this time and basically they shot every member at home on a green screen and they all had to send in their footage and then <laughs> and then they, they then they compile but if you go look at the two new helix videos one is called the tequila song and the other one is called uh oh, i can't remember but they look like there's the band performing on stage, but they all sort of green screened it and then they shot it together and they edited it. It's, it's, it's fascinating to see. Go look at it. Yeah. That's the last, the last two, but uh, on that, sir, uh, merci beaucoup. That was, uh, that was fantastic. Bro, my, my pleasure. And uh, well, yeah, my pleasure. It was great. Absolutely. And we'll do another one soon. Merci bien. <laughs> awesome. All right.